The following episode of the podcast is a difficult one to listen to due to the thoughts and perspectives of our guest. Listener discretion is advised. So when you start trying to say, how does the global church buoy on that? It won't be long, but what I'm telling you is they don't have any part or lot with Christ. Welcome to The Dismantle, creating community, not converts. Welcome to Dismantle Podcast, a place for community, not converts. I'm your host, Joey. On this show, we aim to dismantle an issue that poses as problematic for the church by having a discussion with a guest who has experience or insight on the subject. We won't always agree, but we won't argue. I've said that over 200 times, but this episode, this one's a little different. We've never told you what you should think on this show, merely presented conversations as opportunities for you to think. But the conversation you're about to hear needs a disclaimer. On this episode, I spoke with Shirley Phelps Roper, a member of Westboro Baptist Church in Topeka, Kansas. Labeled less as a church and more as a hate group, the organization pickets soldiers' funerals, court hearings, and pride marches, all in the name of Jesus. From that sentence, you've probably heard all you need to hear, and if you end the episode right now, I don't blame you. Many people cautioned me against this episode, citing their desire for publicity, my affiliation with the group, and what benefit could I possibly gain from this conversation. I get it but it's easy to speak to someone I disagree with theologically, politically, or economically. It's another thing to have a conversation with someone who claims the same things I do and lives out those conclusions drastically different. So I'll be clear before we kick it off. We don't support, encourage, or promote any of the thoughts, scripture interpretations, or worldview you're about to hear. Not from this podcast and not from me personally. This episode serves as an example of what we always say. We won't agree, but we won't argue. Trust me, I really wanted to. But this episode also serves as a clear demonstration and articulation of what the organization truly believes. There was no interruption, no arguments, and no hostility. So as always, come to your own conclusions based on the content you're about to hear, knowing that not I, nor the podcast, supports these thoughts. That said, here's my conversation with Shirley Phelps Roper. Shirley, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for our conversation. Uh, Before we dive into it, can you give our listeners a little bit about who you are, uh, some of the work you do, and where you're located? Yeah, um, I'm Shirley Phelps Roper, and I'm a member of the Westboro Baptist Church. and. I'm in Topeka, Kansas, and we do a lot of work, but it all surrounds serving the Lord our God, and to do that acceptably is what we strive towards, we want to do, and uh, so we, that's our prayer, that's our ask every day, and uh, because we can do nothing without Christ, so with that said, we get out onto these streets everywhere where the Uh, impulses upon someone's heart. And I don't mean that that's a big production. I mean, 
somebody something happens and somebody thinks we need to go there and so we go so let's let's unpack that a little bit how did you first get connected with westboro baptist church well my dad became the pastor of westboro baptist church about a year before i was born okay so i came by it naturally <laughs> naturally right yes it was in the providence of god actually it's very it's a very great blessing so many people might know Westboro Baptist from media, uh, from from the way it's portrayed in various formats. Uh, some would say that Westboro Baptist preaches a message of hate. Um, can we clarify what what might be underneath that when somebody says, oh, that's a message of hate? What, where do they get that from? They get it from their dark, evil part. And I don't mean that in any caustic or angry way, I'm telling you, you have to put all that nonsense to the side and understand that Jesus Christ preached what we preach. And if you don't um, hear those words and heed those words, you're going to cast off all notions of hatred when you land in hell, because that's awful. This is a message of this is a message that the Lord Jesus Christ has given us in his word. And if you would read it, you would find that we're being faithful to the words that we that you find written in the Bible, the written in the book. It's the word of God. And it's it's what God has left us so that we know of him. You can read those words and you can see the things happening around you. And by all that you see, the scripture says you know God, and therefore you are without excuse. All the things, the things which are made, you see them. You can't look at anything in nature, anything about a baby or a child or a human without being in, uh, you would be in awe. You should be in awe of these works of God. These didn't just happen. This is his work. And so when we tell you that he requires only that we obey him, that's what he requires, obedience. That you thank him, that you obey him, that you trust him. But above all of it comes the obedience, because with obedience gives you the smooth, clear conscience to uh, uh, boldly approach the mercy seat, knowing that, um, that if God will let you do that, that he, if you have the righteousness of Christ um, imputed to you, you have everything. And if you don't, you're just spending out your days waiting to finish this life and land in hell. So now you had mentioned a few times that, that you know, it's the message of Jesus. This is something that we see within scripture. And and yet we have a culture today that would say that God is a God of love and that God desires that nobody perish. Uh, you know, I, I'm not asking for verses and sightings, but, you know, how, how do you come to that uh, that understanding when, you know, I'm not saying they're right or wrong, but when most of Christianity is all about uh, the love of God, whereas you're more focused on the judgment of God? Okay. So what you have is uh, people calling themselves Christian, but if you Christ said, if you don't obey him, if you don't follow him, if you don't um, hear him, if you say you love him and you don't obey him, you're, you're none of him. You're a liar. The truth is not, not in you. You have no part with him. So 
Uh, and he says he hates. He hates. He said, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. And if you drill that down, you understand that there are two types of people born into this world. You're either a Jacob or you are an Esau. He hates Esau. He hates the workers of iniquity. Six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him. And in that is included classes of people, a lying tongue, people that do things, people that gender strife among brethren. So he, you can't escape the hatred of God. And when you find in the Bible, probably five to one, the verses that deal with his judgment and his wrath and his hatred over his mercy to his elect remnant. It, it's incredible. Just read the uh, Ezekiel chapter 16. The wrath and the judgment and all the bad is 56, 7, 8 verses. And then the good is about four or five verses. And you read the blessings and the curses in Deuteronomy 28. And you get the first 14 or so verses, and then you get 50 plus verses of what he's going to do to you because of your disobedience and because you hate him. When you don't obey him, when you deliberately rebel against him, uh, you show that you hate him. And he says he will repay you to your face for that. Think about that. God, who just sent the, uh, the hurricane who just uh, sent a, the earthquake, who just sent fires. You, you want to look that God in the face and be repaid for your hatred of him? We, we, we are nothing. Flesh is grass. There's no possible way we could stand before God. I, I just, I don't know what people are thinking, but I do know, I do know that, um, that, Isaiah 6 makes it very clear that he sends these words out of the mouth of his servants. He uses people to talk to people. And by that mechanism, you either have a soft heart, you are either given repentance. You hear the words and they pierce, they prick your conscience. And you repent and you uh, are of a new type of a person that is interested in seeking to seeking after God that understands that you are you have nothing good in you and that your only hope is the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood you have nothing or you're going to be it's going to prick your conscience and you're going to do just the opposite it's going to harden your heart it's going to blind your eyes stop up your ears so that you'll never see or hear or understand and be given repentance. And that is how God rolls. He says it, and the Lord Jesus Christ repeats it, and Paul repeats it. What I just told you, you find in the Old and the New Testament, and in the New Testament several times. So you can call yourself a Christian, but if you are not following these teachings of Christ, you are none of Christ. You have nothing in him. So having grown up in church, this is something I'd be interested in your perspective on. Um, 
you know, we, we do sort of see a call to evangelize and to spread the gospel, to share the good news. But you had also mentioned that there's the elect and there's the non-elect, the people who will be saved, the people who will not be yes. saved. Does the does the reality of those who will and those who will not uh, sort of trump, so to speak, whether or not we share the gospel, whether or not we call people to repentance because they're either picked or they're not? Well, you, how, how would you know who they are? We're supposed to preach this gospel to every creature because you don't know who they are. And so uh, that's the me mechanism. It's by the foolishness of preaching that the, the sheep are called. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And the voice of another will they not follow. He says, the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of John, again and again, as he's talking to the Pharisees and especially in John 8, where he tells them that they are of their father, the devil. He says, you can't hear me. You can't receive my words because you, you don't understand. You can't, you can't understand. And at another point, when he's telling them that no man can come unto me except the father which sent me draw him. We have no part or lot in our own salvation. So you live out your days in fear, in the fear of God. Do you understand? It's not a servile, groveling fear. It's not a, a tortured fear. It's understanding you don't want to anger. You want to do those things that are pleasing to God. And you don't want to anger him because you love him. And you only love him because he first loved you. We have no part in our salvation and no one does. So when someone starts talking to you about accepting Christ as your own personal savior, just run from that person. They are of the devil because there is nothing in the scripture that hints that you, that God loves everyone or that you have any control over salvation. Christ said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And so, and then he says, uh, you get down to second Peter and he says, wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling and election sure. So that's what, that's what you do. You don't ever sit on your laurels thinking you've got it made. Therefore, I don't have to go and obey these plain words of Christ that when you hear the trumpet sounding the trumpet is sounding all over the nation everywhere you look there's trauma god sent the covid virus in fury it's affecting impacting changing the entire earth structure everything going on in this earth is impacted by covid and covid is driving the train and that's not all as if you aren't getting smacked enough by that this country gets the fires in the West, the hurricanes in the East and more South and, and all the rest of what you see happening. The shooters are everywhere. Did you, there, the uh, FBI with all of their numbers came forth with 30% more homicides, 30% across the nation, a 30% increase in homicides in 2020. The, we're, we're, you understand, the Lord does not send his people onto your streets in vain. 
30 years ago, he sent us out 30 plus onto these streets. And we begged this country not to do this thing of same-sex marriage, but we knew that's what you were going to do because that was, that was the direction we were going in. Do not tell these people that they, that God loves everyone. Therefore you can send away the day and it'll be okay. He says, you've caused them so they won't turn from their wicked ways. And you did that by promising them life. So now he's, then he sends 9-11. And we said, if you think that's bad, if you don't repent and put this thing away, then it's, he'll do things that'll make that look like a tea party. Now I have to ask you in these last 20 years, have we had a substantial change in the landscape of this country? A substantial change in the way we function and the, the, our national wealth is gone. We're playing with monopoly money. You don't like how much money we have? Print some more. It's, it, it's like uh, you're, you, and you don't see it. One of the prophets is talking about the horn, the destructive horn is hidden in his hand. It's going to come up the side of your head and you don't even see it come. So I don't know how to say that any different. Yeah. And I'd like to go back to something that you had mentioned, you know, the, the 30 years ago, I, I imagine, correct me if you're, I'm wrong, but the, the legalization of gay marriage has to, has to do with some of the terrain you're seeing. Am I wrong? Yes. So absolutely. No country has ever behaved like this country and lived, survived to tell about it. You understand, so, you don't get to do these things. You don't get all this uh, proud sin, pride. And it talks about God hates pride. And, and if you look, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a, it's abhorrent to God. He is too, he is too pure to look upon these abominations. This country does adultery, sodomy, transgender, like as if you can really change your sex you can mutilate yourself and then you prop up that sad mutilated character and start talking about that men can have babies they won't even say when they talk about uh, murdering your babies they say people like people have babies no hun women have babies women have those body parts and they have the chromosomes you think that when they mutilate your body, you change, your chromosomes change? You think you can get into the secret places of God and do things to change? It's called discontent. Godliness with contentment is great gain. This is a discontented, pitiful, naked, blind, wretched society that we live in and if you're if you are ashamed of christ and his words in this generation this adulterous and sinful generation then he will be ashamed of you when he comes with all the angels when he returns to this earth if you've been sitting around hiding behind i'm so afraid i'll lose my job i'll do this i'll do that if i dare speak these words that that is wrong the emperor is naked if you say those words, 
something bad might happen to me because the scripture calls it of the power of the dog. It's an, it's an amazing thing. Uh, the power that a little percentage of this society uh, wields on the political landscape. And it's called the power of the dog. And yeah. Okay. So, you know, just out of sheer curiosity, why is why is that such the focus of of a lot of the platform that you have within Westboro Baptist when things like anger, lust, bitterness, gluttony, uh, you know, all of those seem to be just as prevalent? Um, uh, you know, to your point, maybe it is a, a, a small majority that have the loudest voice. But why is that the platform that you guys have chosen? Well, first of all, you said gluttony. Is there have you ever seen a glutton, gluttony pride parade? Have you ever seen a thieves pride parade? No. Have you ever seen, yeah, adulterers pride parade? Everyone will own that those are sin. This pernicious thing, this sodomy, is it, it is for two reasons. First, what I just said. And the second thing is because it is a smashed mouth right in your face, flipping off God. You understand that the husband and the wife represent or they they don't represent but they are a type of christ and his bride which is his church he said have you not read that from the beginning he which made them made them male and female and for this cause a man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife and they twain shall be one flesh and malachi says at malachi 2 you can read this he hates divorce god hates putting away he says, and he, why, why a man and a woman? Because he had the residue of the spirit. God could have made any coupling that he wanted. And so that he can seek a godly seed from that proper union of a man and a woman. You have children, you teach them about God. What is a pair of sodomites going to teach that baby that someone has put into their care? What are they going to teach them about God? How can they possibly say, the right words, follow the scriptures, read what the words say without running headlong into their hypocrisy and their proud sin. You think they're going to do that? They hate for us to say anything about it. You think they're going to sit in their own house with their children? What chance does their child have of understanding about God and his, what he requires of you when you are in, living in proud sin? You are not about to tell them, well, what we're doing here, don't do this. Do what the scripture says. Do what God says. Obey him. That's the only hope for you in this earth. It's the only hope for you because the tiny little bit of time you spend in this earth is going to be all that matters when you quit this life and start your real time, which is eternity. Your never dying soul that goes on and on and on and on and on forever. Now you're going to, you you think they're going to tell that child that? No. They're going to tell them it's okay to be gay. And look, we're teaching people and then they can go out. They can be bitter when they see us because their conscience, this word of God is written upon the hearts of mankind and they know. It's the thing that causes you to rise up when something disgusting, when some disgusting, filthy conduct comes to life, like a raping priest and go, yuck, 
you know that it's bad, you know that it's wrong. So when your conscience is pricked, it makes you angry. Don't you dare say that I'm doing something wrong. And now we're gonna have a pride parade. And if you don't bow down and kiss sodomite backside, you're not going to be able to survive in this society as you would like. We yesterday morning were standing outside the city hall in Kansas City, Missouri, because they're building a brand new airport. They've been at it for almost two years now, building this airport, a brand new airport. And they're to the part where they're talking about who gets to sell something in our airport? Who are we going to let have a space? So you get this company out of Canada who's, who does this kind of thing. And they're all bidding. And so I think they got the contract. Then the sodomites in Kansas City send a letter to this company and say, we don't want Chick-fil-A to be in there. Take them off the list because, uh, because they have made, they've squeaked out in a very mealy-mouthed way to say same-sex marriage is wrong. So we don't want them to get a seat at the table. And so the company from Canada, who agrees wholeheartedly with them, because most of this earth is in agreement that God can kick rocks. And so they, they took them off the list. So we were over there yesterday morning and everyone knew why we were there. Cars going by, the whole city, everyone knows. And some woman put her window down and says, it's just chicken. Yeah, no, it's just God and his, what he requires of you. It's just obedience. It's just the power of the dog that's keeping Chick-fil-A away from having a seat at the table. And that is what I'm talking about when I say that you, if you don't bow down and kiss their backsides and say they're holy and that it's all fine and it's okay to be gay, well, then you don't get a seat at the table. Now, now Shirley, do you... Do you have anybody in, in your community that is also queer? Uh, you know, do you have a, a relationship with anybody in that community? You mean in Topeka or in my church community? Uh, just Topeka. Well, sure. I mean, the Sodomite Rainbow House is right across the street from the church. And I know those guys. And we get along great. So how did, you know, so, something like that, which really goes to, to my next question is uh, one of the words that I've seen frequently used at either protests or uh, when when Westboro is involved in in demonstrations is the use of the word fag. Yes. Um, can you talk to me about why that was chosen? Well, we didn't choose it. Actually, when we started, we had the word gay on our sign. And um, I had a little child. I have 11 children and it was my number two child way back in the day, standing there. And he's used the, he used the fag word. And I and several of us said, no, don't say that. And then we're kind of standing there looking at each other. Why, why not say that? Well, uh, say it. It's an elegant metaphor. We didn't come up with the word, but, and, but the word's been there for absolutely eons. I don't know where it began. Uh, probably with Sodom, when God rained fire and brimstone from God out of heaven. A faggot, you understand, is a P 
piece of wood and its characteristics are that it burns quick and hot. It's an elegant metaphor. These sodomites fuel the fires of God's wrath and hell burns hot. I don't know about the quick part, but I'm saying it's an elegant metaphor. We didn't start with it. We didn't start it, but we find that it fits properly. And we're not giving the lexicon over because these sad souls are not gay. So if a member, you know, back to the back to the question that you had asked uh, within the church, within Westboro, if a member of the LGBTQ community did come to your church, what would their experience be like? What would be expected of them if they were to stay? Well, if they came, it would be like, I mean, a lot of people, there's hardly a Sunday that somebody's not visiting except when we were not, you know, when we were obeying the rules in the community over COVID. But, um, but they sit and they listen. And now, right now, everyone's wearing a mask. And so, that's all we expect of them to behave themselves, obey the law, behave themselves. So, but uh, we don't talk about that. We assume they're going to behave themselves. And then you said, what will they hear? They'll hear this gospel preached and it's good stuff. And you can hear the sermons on the uh, www.godhatesfags.com website. There's a sermons section and it's good stuff. I'm just saying. So, what you know? What are your thoughts on other Christians that are pro LGBTQ and that do affirm that? Are are they even Christians according to your logic? Well, it's not my logic; it's reality. If you say that you are a member of that you're uh, from a tribe, the Sioux tribe, what does that require of you? That you are a member of that tribe, that you adhere to their look. Let's just keep this simple. If you call yourself a Christian, you follow the teachings of Christ. What other definition could you possibly use? You follow the teachings of Christ. So if you say that it's okay to be gay, you are not following the teachings of Christ. Christ is the word. Here is his word. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. He says, if your right eye offends you or hand, or for that matter, any other body part offends you, cut it off. It is better to enter into heaven, into life without that offending member, member than to go to hell with it. So I'm telling you that they're lying about Christ when they tell you it's okay to be gay. And again, they have no part with Christ. They are none of his. So do you mind if I ask a personal question? Sure. You know, the, the internet is filled with information. Uh, Westboro has been in the news and, uh, you know, gotten attention. Let's, let's put it that way. Um, you yourself, there, there's been some, uh, some court issues and people blog about you. Whether or not it's true is not my point. Uh, my question is. Yes, one day one of my sons came and said, this thing I'm reading on Wikipedia says that you went to a drug rehab center. Well, okay. I, I, I didn't, but okay. <laughs> right. Um, you know, how, how do you take uh, verses like, uh, you know, Romans 12 to live at peace with all men and, 
you know, First Thessalonians four that talk about living quietly. How do you, how do you take the approach that you do when there are verses like that? That uh, not that they're saying that you mind your own business necessarily, but uh, you know, just a, just a call to civility. Well, hon, we're having a civil conversation. Absolutely. I, I suspect you don't agree with me, you know, because I haven't seen you at church lately, but, and I haven't seen you out on the street with a picket sign, but um, I'm just saying that we're civil and we're, and I have, I'm, I don't want to offend you. And I hope I haven't said anything offensive to you, but, um, but we live at peace. We're at peace with all men. I don't, I don't understand what, where are we not at peace? Yeah. I mean, you and I just met maybe <laughs> 30 minutes ago. Um, you know, it's, it's more a question, uh, you know, how we live that out, I, I guess. Well, some he, people might look at that and, and say, you know, that's not how I would live out what I see within scripture. Well, we're instructed to preach this gospel. So we're not going to change the message to accommodate a, re- a rebel, but we are going to, um, we're going to be plain spoken about that because we have this hope. We use great plainness of speech. I was just listening to that. That's in second Corinthians um, this morning while I was mowing, you know, I was mowing and I was listening to my, in my ear and it's good stuff. It says, it says that yes, be at peace, but don't lie to them. That's not peaceable. And we be at peace by obedience and be by uh, gentleness and kindness, and um, but we can't change the message. We have to. I, I wish that everyone would hear these words. I wish that everyone would repent. But I, that's, that's not my call. I'm. What I wish above all is that the will of God be done, and I know that it will be in earth as it is in heaven. So He appoints. He's the one who appoints. He says, can I not, can I not, I do what I will with my own? Yes. The answer, it's a rhetorical question. Yes. He can do what he wills with his own. He says, ye believe not because you're not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I will give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And my father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. My father and I are one. And I think that he said those words that don't sound at all hostile. And I think that's when the Jews took up stones to stone him. Because that's who he was talking to right then. So, you, yeah, these these are things that, cut right to uh, it's uh, it's the sub and substance of our lives all the rest of this stuff that goes on around us it's all vanity it's it's nothing it ha- it's nothing so in your experience how does the global church the unified John 17 church walk in unity when there are churches that are are, are very divided over this issue of how to live out our faith of, of scripture interpretation, you know, we're, we're divided as, as much as we probably can be. How do you think we walk in unity? I'm so happy you mentioned John 17, because that's one of my, that's the tail end. That's the prayer of my favorite. It's my favorite stretch of passages. It's John 13 to 16, 
and starting at 14, it's his sermon. It's sort of like, it's the only place it's recorded in the gospels. And then you get to 17 and it's his prayer. And he says, I pray not for the world, but for them that thou hast given me out of the world and not that they should be taken out of the world, but that they should live unspotted in this, in this world, in this flesh. So this word's sort of like that. And so what, so you're saying you, the church, he's talking about from the beginning of the church, the beginning, his people, you understand from the beginning of the church to the end, we're in the age of the church militant. This is where we're out on the streets. We have received the more sure word of prophecy, whereunto we would do well to take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawns and the day star rises in your heart. That, that is the time we live in. So our job, and it's the last verse or two of the book of Mark, it's throughout the gospels that we preach this gospel to every creature. And if you hear the words and you repent and you are baptized, then you have eternal life. And of course, it talks like in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians that I was listening to today about the, it's the new man. You mortify your flesh. You start to see as the Lord will show you the proper way for you to behave yourself. And you don't say, I'm good just like I am. You're not settled on your lees, so to speak. You're sifted from vessel to vessel. And in this way and that way, he shows us. And we do better. The path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. So when you start trying to say, how does the global church fooey on that? It won't be long, and that's going to go away. Look at Revelation 17. That day is coming when it's going to be only humanism. And we're almost there. Worship the human. Get rid of this monster, this monster called um, organized religion. We're not going to have it. But what I'm telling you is they don't have any part or lot with Christ. These churches, so-called, they're just social clubs. They're just institutions that are here so that these lying, false preachers can tell them words that soft things, smooth things, so that they can go right along on their path to hell uh, without any conscience bothering them. So um, don't. Don't think of that when you when you read those words in John 17. Think of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ walking in peace and unity. I'm telling you, this is some people who love one another and care for one another, take care of each other in every way and who seek the Lord daily. Every day, you're not going to find one of these houses. There's scarcely a part of the day that someone is not because we search the scriptures daily because we want to know how we ought to do what we should say and how we ought to behave ourselves and what is the truth of the matters. And as we, as you read them and the Lord is willing to do it, he lets you see another thing and another thing. It's, it's, it's wonderful. It's peaceful. It is peaceful here. There's not any brawling. There's not any angry people. It's just peaceable. 
I got to get in a car yesterday and go with some of my loved ones and drive over there to that trip. It's wonderful. And I would have that for everyone. This is a contentious generation. Not only are people killing each other. Have you seen? You see, the Lord took us off those airplanes. We went out to Washington, D.C. at the beginning of March to pick at the APAC conference again with our coronavirus sign because it was just becoming clear that coronavirus is going to be a big deal. We didn't have a clue how big. And on the way out, a flight I've taken dozens of times going to do this work. On the way out again, the plane is now half full. I, I don't ever see a half full plane going to Washington. On the way home, we're on that plane again, and we're a pretty good sized group. There was about 15 of us. And on the way home, again, a half sized plane. There was only half full. And we're thinking, what is going on? We didn't hardly get home. And the, the whole country started shutting down. We had trips scheduled all through the summer, all the way up to the Republican and Democratic National Conventions, which we both know didn't happen. And so, um, so the Lord took us off those planes. I mean, every single thing that we were scheduled to picket canceled. And so now we're just doing our daily picketing in Topeka and going a little ways, you know, to the places where you can drive a few, a little, few, just a few hours, but not hardly anything except just being on the streets for about a year, a little, but not, not much. Schools are closed. Everything's closed. But the Lord did that. And now as we look at, I, I watch the nightly news, the national news every night on at least two and sometimes three channels because I record them all. You, have you seen the images of what's going on on these airplanes? People brawling with one another, beating on one. They duct tape the man to his seat, including his mouth. I'm saying people are behaving like you understand that when those those when the Lord unleashes the white horse and the red horse and the black horse and the uh, grizzly horse gray, things are going to happen and peace is going to be taken from this earth. I'm looking at that thinking this is what that is going to look like on steroids. You're you don't understand what you're messing with here. But so when you start, when you're talking to me about the, the global church, ha, forget that. That's nothing. They don't have anything to do with Christ. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is one here. I don't know if there is any other church. I don't know how we could be so well known and not have heard from another church if there is one. If there is another, there are people around in the various countries, but no churches that we know of. And I don't know that that means that there's not one because I don't know everything. God does. But I'm just telling you that there's one here. So if you're close to here, or if you like my, like one of our members was in England and had never been 50 miles from his house, he had to make his way down to London. He had to get his visa. He had to get back and come back on another day and get on an airplane and come across the globe. And he dwells with us and has since 2011. So 
I'm just saying, people don't have any excuse if they call themselves that they're going to serve God to say, well, that's just too far away. It's not. And one final question, Shirley. Have you ever thought that you might be wrong with this? Um, I have thought that I could be wrong in my conduct from time to time. I, I, I don't think it. I know it. I know that I have been mistaken. I have never, ever thought that these scriptures are wrong. Anything that I understand, when I understand it, it says, whereunto you have attained, talking to the church, all of you should walk of that rule. So when we get it figured out, we get there. But as for the words, the word of God, no. And what, I'm what I've told you here today, I believe I'm fully confident to tell you that I, that I have told you right. And I appreciate your time, Shirley. Thank you so much for making it and joining the show. Uh, if people did want to follow up with you, if they had any questions or thoughts, how could they get in touch with you? Well, you can reach me at WBCSherl2, WBCSherl, S-H-I-R-L, number two, on Twitter. And I think that I think that's the way. Well, again, Shirley, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. That wraps up our episode of Dismantle Podcast. Thank you for listening. As always, don't complain about the things you're not willing to change. <laughs>